Hey everybody, it's Dan from The Overrun. This is a special episode because it's a little different than what we do, uh, but no less important in what we feel we need to educate and get out to our audience and the people that listen and follow the show. Not all of our experiences are the same and not all all of our history has been the same. What's going on in our country right now is something that is historic uh it's going to change how we deal with things moving forward hopefully and hopefully we're going to leave it we're going to leave us in a better place than we were before regardless of what your beliefs are regardless of your politics first and foremost this is a human story uh this is about people standing up for what they believe in and standing up for what they feel is right that's why our our guests are so special. Um, they are two people that, in the middle of a protest, spontaneously decided as as clinicians to contribute their voices to the uh, fight for social justice. We're really proud we had them on. We're really proud to talk to them, and we were very happy that they shared their story with us. Taylor and Anthony are great people. We're really happy to have them and we hope you enjoy their story. Uh, It's one of defiance. It's one of social justice and we all learned some lessons along the way. So hopefully um, you do too. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Dan again. Just to bring you in on the episode here, uh, Taylor and Anthony are a New York City paramedic and EMT working for a very large uh, metropolitan area interfacility transport organization. Uh, they were in an interesting spot. Um, they were in Brooklyn uh, during the uh, protests uh, surrounding the death of George Floyd. Uh, they had... Uh, Taylor had talked to her employer about uh, supporting Black Lives Matter, coming out and making a statement, and uh, she wasn't satisfied with what she got. Um, They were at work uh, in a vehicle and drove up on a protest, and um, what you're going to see is, uh, we're going to link to the video and link to the Twitter feeds, um, was a very spontaneous demonstration um, to the crowd and um they went viral uh they became one of the faces of ems in this protest movement and we're going to let taylor take it from there where she starts talking about how it all went down uh again it's an amazing conversation uh mike and i were really really psyched to have this and uh it gives you a little background to what you might have seen on social media so without further ado we'll go into it it kind of really just happened Coincidentally, we just so happened to come up on the protest as they were like heading in our direction. Um, we, well, to walk you through how we actually met up, um, earlier in the day, we were transporting a patient um, into the city from Brooklyn and um, NYPD had already shut down the Brooklyn Bridge. So we had to take the Manhattan Bridge to get into Manhattan. Um, that was earlier in, in the tour. Uh, so around when this 
was about to happen, we were in the city heading back into Brooklyn. And just because of earlier in the day, we figured that the, the Brooklyn Bridge was still closed. So we just went over the Manhattan Bridge naturally. Um, as soon as we got off the bridge, there were like multiple street closures. So there was literally no other way that we could go. And as we were going down, I guess Flatbush is that street. Mm -hmm. uh, I, we heard protesters, we heard the chants and it was, it wasn't like a thought process really. It, it was just kind of something that happened spontaneously. I heard it and like, I felt like I, I knew what I had to do and I, I did it without thinking about anything else. Yeah. It it really came off as spontaneous. So Anthony, what's going through your mind? <clears throat> well, I know that she has a message that is uh, very important and this is a subject that's uh, near and dear to both of us. Um, so I understood where she was coming from. Um, I didn't expect her to uh, pop up out of the window, but uh, once she did it, I said, all right, well, this is what we're about to do. You know, I'm going with it. Um, and uh, Aside from her and the message, as EMT's first things, uh, the safety of ourselves and secondary, the safety of the public and all of that stuff. So I wanted to make sure that uh, we continue to kind of move through without interrupting the protest and without hurting anybody in the process. Because the, the video very easily could have gone viral for us running somebody over or um, somebody feeling that, you know, we got too close, we're aggressive, and then they threw a bottle or whatever the case was, if there was anybody out there with any ill intent. But um, after uh, Taylor popped up and uh, the crowd noticed that we were there and, um, you know, she gave our support uh, and the love that we got back, it's hard to put into words. It felt amazing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, very happy that she did it. And I'm very, very happy that the people out there felt that uh, we um, were pretty much one with them. You know, we all stand uh, on the same side of this issue. And it's a, it's a great thing. No, it was it was a very powerful, and, and you felt the the spontane, spontaneity of it. Um, so there was no discussion beforehand. The the window just goes down, and she grabs the the PA mic, and Taylor just decides, "I'm doing this." Yeah, mm -hmm. literally. Three <laughs> <laughs> um, Were you were you got were you prepared for what happened next? Not at all. Like as far as the amount of support and love from people all over, um, close friends, strangers, everybody is just, it's just been a large influx of love and support. Um, as far as like the company side goes, like I understood that there would definitely be some kind of uh, fallout with them or, you know, we may not see eye to eye. Okay. Uh, everything. Um, because, you know, there's company policies and stuff like that. So there had to be some kind of repercussions for that. But, um, yeah, but none of that was in my mind at the time. So all of afterwards is like completely unexpected. Yeah, it's, um, so, so you're, yeah, I, I did see the statement afterwards in, on EMS one and we'll link to that in the show notes and everything. Um, your CEO did kind of come out and support the message was less happy about the, you know, the, the spontaneity of it and um, the, uh, you know, the, the safety aspect. I mean, and corporate's going to be corporate. It is what it is. Um, 
do you think, do you still think they should do more? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, releasing a statement is, you know, just kind of like what a lot of companies do to just be like, you know, safe face kind of. Mm -hmm. um, I think that now especially is the time for change, like actual change. So uh, more progressive steps, like an actual plan to like support the movement would be the next step, I feel. So I have to say as a physician um, and former EMS provider, uh, I was very upset that I haven't seen many EMS corporations standing out and saying Black Lives Matter, we're here with you. Um, you know, my wife and I have been participating in the protests. So we've seen individual EMS providers and fellow physicians and nurses marching. Um, so when I saw your video going viral, I was like, oh, hell yes, finally, somebody is like out there shouting and they're doing it on a PA system even better. Like, I love it. Um, so have you guys seen uh, support from your colleagues, fellow EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, cops uh, since that? Or have you seen negative backlash or has it been like a mix of the both? Um, so far, uh, I've gotten a number of text messages and phone calls from um, friends and previous coworkers over the years. Uh, that I've been in EMS, uh, family and uh, friends throughout the course of my life have been contacting me as well. And it's been an amazing uh, uh, showing of uh, love and support. Um, and this is from people of all nationalities and backgrounds, things like that. Um, I think uh, when all of this first started, it was pretty much just to kind of get the message out there to bring attention to it. And people are going to protest in their own ways. Not everybody is going to march, not everybody is gonna be as vocal, uh, but as long as people have this uh, as a part of their thought process going through the day, maybe they'll do research on it and, you know, they'll, they'll be more educated on why things are the way they are now. Um, maybe if, if they have the financial resources, they can kind of take the, uh, the philanthropic um, approach to it and put money into different charities and foundations and things like that. Um, or maybe they just can go out and just uh, show support. Um, but it's all a beautiful thing to see the progress and process uh, that's been taking place so far. Um, as far as anybody that has not been as enthusiastic about everything as uh, the masses seem to be so far, it's mainly coming from the standpoint of you have to pick a better uh, platform to kind of voice your message. Um, and I understand that most companies choose to stay apolitical because of business reasons and other uh, kind of obligations they feel like they either have to their shareholders or uh, whatever business partners that they have going on. Um, but part of me, and this is unrelated to how this all started because like I said, this was not planned at all. But just thinking about how all of this stuff goes, uh, historically there's never been a, a great time for black people to kind of voice their, uh, their concerns with the way that society has been treating us. Um, on or off the clock, uh, standing or kneeling, um, being uh, loud and boisterous, or being quiet about it. Um, you know, there's always something that's wrong with it. And, um, you know, I'm glad that nothing negative has come to uh, uh, fruition from all this stuff so far. It's just all been love and positivity almost across the board. That, that's great. Um, that's really, that's really encouraging. Um, I, I agree. I think, I think we're at an inflection point in society. I think, I think everybody finally is kind of on the same page that the majority of people out there are like, look, enough's enough. We have to stop. This has to stop. Uh, we have to change our society. Um, and you know, that's what's so powerful about this is 
you know, just there's still people in the streets. There's still people marching. Then the overwhelming majority of them are marching peacefully. There's, there's been, we've had a lot of uh, protests down here in our area. Um, all of them been completely, you know, positive. Um, you know, I think change is coming. And I think the people who are going to be resistant to change are, it's going to be what's going to be. Um, but that's, that's really good to hear. Um, so how did you two get into EMS? How did the, how did it start? Well, for me, I've only been in EMS for three years. Okay. Um, so uh, my mom was actually an EMT until she got pregnant with me. So, uh, you know, just growing up, I would hear her stories about patients she still remembered, um, facilities she remembered going to in and out of um, all the time. Uh, just, you know, just her stories of like being on the road and um, just like uh, the medical aspect of everything just kind of always excited me i like learning about anatomy and knowing different medical terminology and stuff like that so it was just kind of like why not get into it you know how about you anthony oh uh, for myself um uh, wow my uh journey starts a little bit further back um i guess technically it kind of uh started back um from 9 11 i used to work in the world trade and um, lost my job, right? Uh, fortunately, I was okay. Um, but I remember seeing on TV how uh, police, firefighters, and uh, EMTs were going in to save people that they've never met and putting their lives on the line. And um, I don't know, something in that made me feel like uh, to really leave a, a great impression on the world is to give back and to make the world a better place by helping out people, uh, putting out some kind of good energy uh, out there. And hopefully, uh, you know, just spark, sparking small changes and things. And through EMS, I felt like it was a good way to give people another day and all that other mushy stuff that they all kind of tell us in school, right? Um, but it, it's been a great journey so far. Um, I spent uh, about two years or so as an EMT, and I've been a paramedic uh, ever since. Um, and previous to that, I, I had a number of other kind of jobs where uh, service type stuff to try to help things out. But EMS so far has seemed to be the thing that has been the most fulfilling. And, um, you know, it's a certain pride that comes with it. Uh, I wish the pride was more represented within the paycheck, of course, like all of us, right? But, um, yeah. you know, for, uh, <laughs> uh, it's still a great thing. It, uh, it feels good at the end of the day, knowing that we go out there and uh, make people's lives better, you know? Oh, I, I agree. Um, that's, it's, that's pretty much why we don't do it for the money, let's be honest. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, I'm interested, you know, and, and Taylor, that's, that's an amazing story. Your mom, you being a second generation, um, you know, woman of color in EMS, that is a very rare thing. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What was, was it hard, you know, especially, and, and Anthony jump in too. I mean, there is a minority of, you know, people of color in EMS, um, in emergency services, generality. I mean, I don't have numbers for you, but I mean, you look at, just look at police departments, fire departments, um, EMS agencies across the country. Um, it's, there's a decided, you know, lack of diversity, um, for lack of a better term. Um, what are some of, what do you think some of the obstacles have been? How, what were your obstacles? Did you have them? Um, you know, did it feel different being maybe being the only person in your class and, you know, or being the only woman in the class or being the only woman on the tour um, or the only person of color on the tour? Because we know that does happen. 
Um, mm-hmm. And what, you know, tell us a little bit about that. And, you know, what have been the, what's been the hard parts? Um, my EMT, um, the original course was actually pretty diverse from what I can remember. Um, there were a lot more women than men that I can remember. Um, but women of color, I think it was me and maybe two other girls there. Um, so it from like right off the bat, like I already saw like what I could possibly be stepping into, like once I got out into the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I started working, uh, I do have like uh, people of color that are um, supportive of like, they understand uh, like the, I guess, the challenges that could be faced from like patients who, so to say, don't necessarily keep up with the times. Um, like old who you know, were born in different generations and now they don't know that's not acceptable to say certain things and things like that, um, which has happened, I think, to us before when we had uh, that patient in um, that area in Brooklyn, uh, I think it's the like uh, Brighton Beach, mm-hmm. remember? And she spoke Russian and she didn't really want us house because we were black Mm -hmm. and um that's like really the only like explicitly straight up racist um encounter in the field that i can remember um but as just as a woman like it's always oh my god you can't lift me like just no wait like you're too small the sexism is definitely like i think it's higher than the racism but the sexism for sure is it's always oh my god you cannot lift me that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I do. How do you, you know, um, do you, do you find, you know, do you see, you know, do you see it working in the, um, in the hospital, like when you're treating patients, when you're interacting with other agencies, um, do you get the same kind of thing or is it pretty much, you know, Hey, Taylor, then you guys know what you're doing. You're, you're one of us. Is it, is it more colorblind in the profession you think? Um, or do you think we there's we still got a ways to go? I think there's definitely still some work to be done. Um, there's some uh, nurses or doctors you give a report report to who I guess kind of overlook me. Um, they'll tell my partner, for example, what's going on with the patient instead of speaking to me directly. So there's definitely still some work to be done within like hospitals and EMS and like all just healthcare as, as a whole. How do you handle that? I try not to let it get to me. Um, I also like just assert myself and just like, this is my partner. Like we're here together to pick up this patient. Like I'm listening to, you can tell me what's also going on. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll ask more questions to like get them to specifically talk to me as well as my partner. Okay. Um, but I, I, I always just like try to contain myself, um, whatever emotions that I have in that moment. I don't, I try my best to not let it get to me. But if it's like a day where it's like, oh my God, this, I kind of just like stay to the side and then let them tell my partner and then my partner and I will communicate whatever 
we need to know about the beginnings. Right. Look for professionalism and to not take anything personal from whatever issues that people might have because, um, you know, no one is uh, perfect. So you don't know if they're doing something at the office that they don't like, if they've got things going on in their personal life. Uh, when it comes to patient care, pain will make you act out of character pretty quickly. Um, and I try to take all of that stuff into consideration when dealing with people who are not as friendly as I would be with my approach to them. Um, and in, in a lot of cases as well, uh, I find if you're a, a, a professional and you go about it in a friendly manner and, and you don't kind of uh, return nastiness with nastiness, uh, afterwards, when the call is over, that person, when they get better, uh, if it's a patient, you know, if it's a, a, a healthcare professional, when they go home for the day, uh, at some point, they'll think about their interaction, that situation, and hopefully they'll say, well, you know, maybe I was in a wrong, you know? Um, Going into the future, if someone is talking to me about something, I'll be more open-minded instead of, um, you know, being so aggressive or, or, or uh, caustic. Um, you know, I'm hoping that uh, whoever interacts with them next won't have to go with whatever issues that we had when we talked, basically. Yeah, so I definitely – can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, so I definitely uh, agree – with the whole trying to figure out if like Taylor mentioned, I don't know if it's so much the race thing in certain aspects as much as it is a sexist type thing. Um, and I definitely also experienced, you know, giving certain authority report that like maybe they're not taking you as seriously. And especially like being a, like not only a female, but like a, a, a minority, um, that they might, you know, there's a bunch of different culture, cultural aspects. So you have like the patients and you, then you also have like the other, uh, people who are around like police, other EMS people, other firefighters, and you know, all the other people that we deal with. And then there's also the, our, our own coworkers, our staff, so I definitely think that there's a different aspect that can be um, like spoken about in each one of those scenarios. Uh, but it's really awesome that, you know, if you have a partner that understands you or, you know, most of the time we're with these people for 12 hours or more, I mean, almost 40 hours a week or more. So I think as far as like building that mutual trust and like learning how like, in EMS, you get, come across so many different walks of life and people with different backgrounds. Um, so really like understanding each other during, you know, the, the, the times that you're um, driving to a job or while, you, while you're picking up lunch or things like that. I think that's something that is really, uh, that builds a strong bond for, for those types of situations that you might come across somebody who may not be as situationally aware or like grew up learning something different um yeah yeah absolutely so i i want to kind of i, I kind of want to take a little bit of a, a a side turn here um the last few months in new york city um has been pretty pretty wild when it comes to COVID-19 you got the city was the epicenter the metro area was the epicenter of this this pandemic 
Um, and, you know, my personal thought is, you know, like you guys, the transport people, the inner facility people, um, were literally, you were the front lines of this. This wasn't a 911 thing for the most part down by me. Um, we had, we, we had calls, but they were really, they weren't rising to the level, uh, you know, they weren't ALS calls and we, we kind of run tiered in my area. So we have BLS units, we have ALS units. Um, but the, the transport people were in the thick of this every shift. Um, tell us a little bit about the stress. Tell us a little about how, how that was and how that, how that affected you and how you were, how you guys worked through it in the, in the middle of this whole thing. Um, well, when things first kicked off here in New York, um, you know, the CDC came out with their safety recommendations and, uh, most companies were pretty much trying to patch things up on their feet and figure out things on the fly. Uh, we weren't confident in the overall information that was available with COVID. Um, so we decided to take a, a couple of weeks off to kind of stay home, self-quarantine, to um, watch TV and, and do our own research and try to figure out as much uh, about this as we could before going out there to our faces. as. Like you said, we knew that um, we were going to be basically in the midst of it. Um, some of these transport jobs that we get uh, have patients on life support that are uh, uh, COVID positive, and uh, being in an enclosed area like that uh, greatly increases the chances of uh, contracting it. So in addition to taking some time off to see how things were going, we were also uh, fortunate enough to find some respirators from a, a local hardware store. And um, I think with that and practicing uh, great uh, deconning uh, habits and practices uh, after the job as well, you know, before coming home, uh, making sure that there's nothing that crosses the threshold into the house that can jeopardize our loved ones or our pets, um, which is same, right? Same, same. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's built a, a peace of mind that I think that's given us the ability to go out there and handle these calls without as, uh, as much stress as uh, a lot of other people might be dealing with because we're so confident in the routine that we built up to kind of keep ourselves safe. Um, beside the safety aspect of it though, um, I think there was a high emotional toll early on um, with listening to like the grief that's associated with this. And we were going into um, emergency rooms uh, all throughout the city and finding so many people on vents um, some in hallways, in some cases, uh, sometimes you see a, a, a doctor drop a tube, uh, the patient's vented, and then they'd have to run off to another room because there's a machine going off or a cold blue uh, pops up or there's something else that diverts their attention from it. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, that's the thing that kind of gets me, the, uh, the, the sorrow, the wailing of people, you know. Um, I, I say with EMS, we're paid to be the coolest people in the room, right? We're the last ones allowed to panic. Firefighters, uh, cops. Uh, the family, everyone can can bug out, right? But we have to be the ones that have to operate under all conditions. Um, yeah, good point. With all of that being said, you know, it, it was something where we really had to kind of put our, our uh, best game faces on to be as professional as possible. And then after a call, at least myself a couple of times to kind of take a minute to really just kind of like exhale and to try to get some of the stress out of my system to relax and um, not take it home with me too much, per se. But um, it's an amazing time. It's quite the time to be alive. There's uh, all these things going on. Uh, if you would have told me that this is how 2020 was in 2019, um, 
I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> I don't think anybody could have guessed what's going on happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's incredibly wild. And, um, you know, I think even with us being uh, EMTs, uh, the way that we just adapt to situations on the fly uh, and the gallows humor that all of us uh, 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 built up over time has allowed most of us to kind of take this in stride better than most people. And um, it's one of the, uh, the the bright spots of the field to kind of build the, the kind of character and the mindset to, um, you know, maneuver through something like this and look good while you do it, you know? Yeah. No, that's... Uh... It's it's funny the things that we use as coping mechanisms. Um, gallows humor is one of the things. Like my family's been exposed to it, um, you know. But you go to parties or you go places where there's not EMS people, and they kind of look at you like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's yeah. Like, I don't tell stories at uh, at parties anymore. Yeah, it's, it, it makes things weird. They look at me like, yeah, well. "Yeah, not at all." Yeah, or like, "What's the worst thing you've ever seen?" I'm like, "You really? You want to do this? Do we?" Want <laughs> today <laughs> you sure um so i i guess i guess in the end i mean that so you've gone through two major history making events in the last four months um what do you what are you going to tell your kids what are you going to tell your grandkids when or if you choose or what are you going to tell your young relatives when they come up to you and say hey can you i got a school report you gotta tell me about this you know um or, you know, like they, you know, like Taylor, when, you know, one of your younger relatives or your kids finds that picture, you leaning out of the ambulance with your, you know, with the smile on your face and, you know, that still photo that is just, it was so just, wow. That was a wow moment. What are you going to say? Um, that you should always use your voice because you have one and you have freedom of speech absolutely always speak up for whatever you believe in um that i think that's the main message here just you have a voice and you might as well use it while you have it um as long as you're spreading like the positive messages and everything you do like is coming from a place of like love and and safety and and care for like people it's not just people you know but like people you also don't know also mm -hmm. um but uh as far as like what sparked it or anything like that i just just tell them that you know you got to do what you got to do and sometimes you have come at uh, a cost but um as long as your message is greater than whatever you're willing to sacrifice then you should absolutely say it and absolutely go for it so speaking about the future, um, one of my big passions in medicine is the intersectionality of social justice and medicine. And I think, you know, EMS really has a very unique vantage point in the sense that, you know, as medical providers, you're out in the community all the time. You know, you get to learn from patients, you get to see their homes, you get to see their environment. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot that needs to be done in medicine writ large towards social justice and social equity. And that's just a small portion of what the Black Lives Matter movement is fighting for. Um, what are things you guys would like to see EMS do maybe for the future or for social justice in particular? I know it could be a little hard because sometimes EMS is already dealing with a lot, but, um, you know, for, I'll say, I'll, let me start off. Like one of my examples is I think, you know, EMS providers could go out there and identify needs in the community. Uh, especially in communities of color or, or minority communities or poor communities that are often disenfranchised 
by government at, at total. Um, so that's like one idea I've had. Uh, just interested to hear if you guys have any uh, at all or like your wishes, so to speak, of what EMS would evolve into after, you know, experiencing the Black Lives Matter movement uh, right now. Um, well, <clears throat> one of the things that I think is really important within EMS is not only to show up and to uh, be beneficial to the public during emergencies, but also to uh, talk to them about things that can kind of prevent those emergencies from taking place in the first place. So for us to kind of establish some kind of a community outreach center or something um, where they can have uh, lectures and, and things on the benefits of having a, 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 a proper diet, uh, getting enough rest and making sure you're taking your meds, uh, how to avoid complications from hypertension and diabetes and the other things that are uh, commonly seen throughout certain communities. Um, I think that would help out a lot. Uh, it would build up people's trust of us a little bit more. Um, it would kind of open, uh, I think, some people's eyes to the importance of their own health and not kind of push that responsibility off onto us as um, EMS from time to time. Um, and, you know, this is these are all things that slowly make people better and will help out the uh, community and things like that. I haven't really given too much thought as far as um, a particular kind of a, a, a center for something like that. But I think in a similar way to uh, the way that they're looking at in some of these cities, changing the funding for uh, the police and different organizations to kind of create something where there's uh, centers for mental health and for uh, uh, proper dietary uh, issues. And more place for people to exercise, um, even for uh, senior citizens, things for them to, to kind of stay active. If it's something as simple as a, a center for them to have brain games or, um, you know, to exercise and things like that. Uh, Taekwondo for grandmas would be a pretty cool thing if they could get it off the ground. But um, I don't know about the insurance uh, issues with something like that, you know. Um, but that's basically what I'm, I'd look to, to kind of see, you know, for people to kind of be more mindful about the health and for the stuff that we're told in schools that we just continue to just spread that information out there for the masses, you know? Yeah, and I, I think that we as a, as a profession probably have a very good uh, corner on the ability to do that. We just have to convince people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and more funding wouldn't hurt either. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know defund the police has, has been a hot topic issue, uh, especially over the last few days as of the time of this recording. Uh, however, I think it, it definitely brings up uh, some food for thought as far as like how money redistributed towards, uh, you know, for example, like you said, EMS and community outreach. I know the community paramedicine thing has been something that's been tried in several towns. And I actually think New York City is something that could benefit greatly from that uh, if we had the finances to implement that here, um, especially in, in communities where, like you said, you know, hypertension or diabetes are the true silent killers uh, over time. And the other part of me also kind of wants to see Taekwondo for grandmas take off really hardcore. I, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> I, want to, I want to see grandma break a board with her foot, you know, just come back. <laughs> just sidekick it like. Oh. <laughs> um, so one of the things I wanted to ask is, you know, going from the idea that, you know, in emergency services, people of color are historically not well represented. Represented. We're not. You're, there's. There isn't that diversity. You know, there's a lot of our audience. We've got, we've got a lot of young people who listen, uh, young EMTs, paramedics, um, people who come from suburban areas may not have exposures to this. And they've been watching stuff on the news and they've been watching the videos. And, you know, 
how do we how do we educate them? If you if you know what do we need? I'm gonna, and I'm going to ask you directly. What what do you think we need to learn as your colleagues, as white colleagues of clinicians of color? What do we need to learn? Where do we need to go to understand? Or is it just a matter of being willing to listen and and you know, or is it is it more is it more important to actively learn? I think learning, yes. Um, Listening to gain knowledge, not listening to just respond is super important. Um, To be open to uh, hearing the experiences of Black people uh, and not fully being able to understand it because white people don't have the same experiences as Blacks, but to just be able to hear Black people's voices, I think that's something that is... um, also, it's probably like a hashtag right now, like amplify um, melanated voices um, so that we're not drowned out by like, okay, yeah, that happened to you, but it doesn't happen to me. So I can't relate. So it doesn't really affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as uh, listening, listen to gain the knowledge, understand it, and then also spreading the knowledge that you had, that you just received to your friends and your colleagues and your family. Um, older uh, relatives as well who may have been born in a different time and it's a big change for them to understand all the things that are going on right now. And then also checking them when they say racist things and un- and having them maybe not immediately understanding, but like getting them to a point where like times are changing and this is what it is now and what you're used to is no longer acceptable. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that uh, people continue to uh, put out good information and uh, knowledge is power ultimately. Uh, so as, if people are, like Taylor said, uh, listening to understand, um, by sharing our experiences, it goes from being a handful of isolated incidents uh, in some people's eyes to a systemic uh, problem. And uh, I think that's part of why uh, the Black Lives Matter movement has picked up so much steam, because for the people who have been listening, they realize that their friends, their colleagues, their cohorts, all, all of these people that that, uh, that are explaining these situations that they've been in that, that has uh, affected their lives and shaped them into the people that they are, um, are, are similar on some levels, you know? Um, I say all the time, pretty much every uh, Black man I know has some kind of story of an interaction with the police, uh, or even having a, a gun pulled on us or being handcuffed or something like that. Um, and it's not to say that, of course, not all police are bad, uh, but it's enough of an issue where most of us, if not all of us, legit have some kind of a bad interaction. And that's a major problem. Um, and as far as talking with uh, our coworkers about something like that, uh, everyone has their own personal character arc where they understand certain things at certain points in their life. Some might get things sooner than others, and some might need other events to, uh, to happen for everything else to make sense. Uh, and with that being said, I don't hold anybody to a certain standard or a particular timeline for them to understand where we're coming from. I just ask people to be open-minded and to listen and to have some kind of empathy to put uh, yourself in the shoes of the people that you're hearing these stories about, these, uh, these things that are going on. And to um to just love each other, you know, a lot of good things happen if you uh, have love at, as the core of your um your your reasoning, your motivation, going out and doing things. 
I think you hit the nail on the head when you said empathy. Um, you need to be able to empathize with other humans and what they've gone through, what they've un what they understand or what they know is their reality. And you have to put aside your thoughts. You have to think of other people. Um, you know, I can't imagine, you know, I've never had a poor interaction with a police officer because mostly I'm a white guy. You know, they're not looking at me as a potential, you know, problem or, or something. I've never had a gun pulled on me like that. You know, it's, and that's staggering to hear that the vast majority of, of black men or, you know, you know, people of color have had those kinds of negative interactions. And I don't think that the general public has caught up with that, that, you know, that we don't understand and we have to understand, we have to have empathy. Mm -hmm. um so i i think that's a great place to end it i think just you know just empathy is the key we have to empathize we have to understand other people we have to be willing to listen um and we have to be willing to open ourselves up to hearing other people's perspectives um i think that's a really really powerful statement anthony um thank you Taylor, Anthony, I really want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, we were really excited to have you. Um, this is going to, you know, when we, we're going to publish this as soon as we get it through the editing process. And um, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. Um, and that, that viral moment that you're, you're so both going to be, yes. you're, you're basically immortalized on the internet now. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's awesome though. I mean, you know, I, I wish I had an opportunity like you guys had when I was working as a medic because, you know, truly as an EMS provider, I feel like, you know, you're giving a lot of impact sometimes in the community. And I, I think, you know, what you guys did truly capitalized on that in a very positive way. It was really great to talk to you. It was really great to have you on the show. And there you have it, gang. Uh, really interesting uh, perspective. Uh, I know we all learned something. I hope you did too. Uh, you know, empathy, I think, was the key to this whole discussion. We need to be empathetic. We need to show empathy. We need to think about other people. Uh, we do this in EMS. We talk about it a lot. We've never needed that skill more than now. So if there's one thing you can take from this episode and this interview, please be more empathetic. Thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on the website. Check us out on any place else you get the uh, podcast. Uh, go check out the Teespring. Grab some stickers or t-shirts. Rep the overrun. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>